It's Tuesday, November 6, 2018, and you're listening to episode 500 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 1 hour and 42 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Wayne. My name's Chip. All right, so we are on episode 500 right now. Now, this is not the 500th episode we've released, because if you throw in bonus episodes, PSAs, back when you guys were doing Fear and Root, the the actual plays, the negative episodes, I would wager we are probably closer to 700. But per the regular episodes, we are on 500. And And unlike every milestone before, it's coming out after the episode numbered 99 right before. Yes, so this will come out between 499 and 501 and probably come out on time or they're very close to it. All right, so we put the question up on Patreon. And by the way, if you want to back us on Patreon, patreon.com slash fear the boot, all one word, fear the boot. I'll probably put a link to it in the show notes. And... We have a $1 level where we ask people questions about what they'd like to see us do and where they'd like to see things go. And so I put the question out there. I said, hey, we're coming up on episode 500. What do you guys want us to do? Do you want us to do anything special? Do you want us to just do a regular episode like this was any other episode number? And the near unanimous response was people wanted to hear us do sort of a meta show, a combination kind of retrospective, behind the scenes, where we think the future is headed. So that's what we're going to talk about. And I will in advance. What if I remember nothing? Well, that's okay, because I remember most of it. (laughs) So the... You'll uh, just make it up off the top of your head. That's what you do. You're an improv GM. You're an improv podcast guy. That's right. We were awesome 10 years ago. We had turntables and a disco ball. We had two turntables and a microphone. Right. That's why we had terrible sound quality. (laughs) So let's work through the history of the show. Some of the things that have occurred behind the scenes, including some stories we've never told before. Like the no pants dance off? (laughs) I think we did tell the gay chicken with, have we told the gay chicken story? Which one? Uh, so, oh, all right, we'll get to I that. All right, all right. Anything. So we're going to get to that. And and one of the things I am going to answer, it's been a question a lot of people have asked, is am I going to do anything with Skies of Glass beyond the actual play? So when we get to that part of the podcast talking about the future, I will get to that question. So let's start at the start. Where Fear the Boot started, for anyone that's not heard the story, was back in 2005. So you were talking a point in history when podcasting, if we define podcasting as the mixture of an audio file, most likely an MP3, with an RSS feed or an XML feed to syndicate the shows. That's what RSS stands for, is really simple syndication. 2005, Wayne, you and I were still in college. Uh, no, I was out. Oh, right okay. I, I graduated in 2006. Yeah. So podcasting had just kind of become a thing. And... We had a former host, Mike, mm-hmm. Mike K, who his dad was, I don't know if he still does or not, but at the time ran a human resources consulting firm. And he knew I knew a fair amount about technology and said, well, what do you know about podcasting? And I said, well, not really anything, but I'll take a look into it and see what I can find out. And I helped him set up an HR podcast where 
he would talk about human resources and personnel related issues and then go and interview other people and such. And I helped him with the audio and get it still up anywhere. I have no idea (laughs) to be completely honest. And the show had a lot of problems for starters. The best conversations were always the ones they had when they ditched format and started talking Mm. with the mics running. And I even told him as much, but I did that and had so much fun and I'd never messed with audio stuff before, but it's so much fun. I'm like, man, I got to do this. So what do I do? Well, I can't do a video game podcast because by this point, Penny Arcade had one, which right. they dropped for a while. And I think now we're doing again, or I'm not really sure. One up, which was a big deal at the time was doing one. I, I can't do video games. So what, mm. what can I do? Where can I actually find an audience? It's like, well, I'll do role playing games. And so there was an inside joke that we'd had in our gaming group for years because Chad used to wear these big old ass combat boots. And when he wore out a pair, we'd hang them from the ceiling and then use them like somebody made a terrible character sheet. He would stomp it with one of the boots and leave this big nasty boot print on it. So out of that came the joke of Fear the Boot. It was a memorable name. It's easy to spell. The domain name was available. Mm-hmm. And, and thus Fear the Boot started and. I mean, really, the very, very early years of podcasting at all. And I, we didn't think anyone would listen. We didn't think mm-hmm. this was going to go anywhere. The original lineup was supposed to be me, Chad, Kevin, Tim, and Mike. Yeah. Of those people, everyone thought the podcast was going to fail. I even... I didn't. I, no, right, yeah, except I didn't you. know what it was. Except you. <laughs> I thought it was a Shadow Run game. I didn't read the email fully. <laughs> except you. But the other three all thought it was going to fail. Uh, one of them told me it was, it was a poorly thought out idea. Nobody was going to tune in. And Why would you tell someone that for a hobby? I mean, it's not like you're saying, hey, you know what? I'm making six figures a year, and I've got this job that I love, and I'm a leader in my field. And you know what? I think I'm just going to quit and go work at McDonald's. No, this is a hobby. Yeah. Why would you say? Wayne says, hey, I'm going to take up guitar. How dare you, Wayne? It was a, it was a rather scathing email about yeah. how this was a really bad idea, and it was going to fail miserably, and nobody was going to like it. And, I mean, the phrase, this is poorly thought out, was used in there. <laughs> and, I mean, it was just like, wow. Was he, was he at least trying to, like, protect your money? No. Because I know you were investing money no. into well, it. No, yeah, that was before anything was bought. This was an, an email. That was oh. the only thing that yeah. existed. Yeah, yeah, and it, and it bombed right there. Okay, no, then he's just a dick. And <laughs> one of them might never even showed up. And t- now, he did later become a host for a run of episodes. But Kevin and Tim, I think, both did one or two episodes each, and then they dropped out because they thought it was it was mm-hmm. a joke. So well, it, it is a joke, but not well, like they think it's not a joke. Right. It, and it was, so it was just me and Chad, really. And what ended up happening is, so we'll back up to Chad. So with Chad, I went out to buy the equipment from Guitar Center that was down by Chad's place. And at the time I was living, I think, in St. Peter's at this Mm -hmm. point, which is way up north and west where Chad lived and where he and I grew up. And so I went down there, was by his place to go buy this stuff. And he's like, so why are you buying all this? (laughs) And I'm like, I sent you an email. He's like. I didn't read it. And I'm like, that does not <laughs> it surprise really me. It was really long. <laughs> so, it was about Shadowrun. And I'm like, oh, God, Shadowrun campaign. <laughs> so I explained it to him. And he's like, yeah, sure, it. Let's do this. Yeah. And so he and I started recording. This is a terrible idea. It's poorly thought out. Let's do it. I had a little bit of a struggle because of the fact that 
because everyone else was ditched on. It's just the two of us. Yeah. And so he sends out this text message or what a phone call, whatever it was, page. I don't remember what we were using that year. Right. To Johnny G and to Adam saying, mm-hmm. hey, what are you guys doing? Do you guys want to get in on this? And they're like, it. why not? And right. so they came by, dropped in, and that really created the first coherent group of Fear the Boot. The original logo for Fear the Boot, and I'm going to give credit and blame where it is due. <laughs> and you're understand why I say blame in a moment. Because the credit here will go to Tim because he mm-hmm. drew the first logo for Fear the Boot. It was a hand-drawn boot, much like the one we have today, which somebody later redrew for us. We actually went through three logos, so I'll, I'll tell that story here as we go. But it was a hand-drawn boot, and then below that in a hand-drawn type setting. So it was, it was just written letters. It was not like a computer font. said Fear the Boot. And the original boot was white and then bright red and bright blue. It looked like a bomb pop. <laughs> it, it was terrible. It was it was painful to look at. Yes. It, it was not like a patriotic spread of colors. And we're like, okay, the logo's all right. Can we do something that doesn't feel like being raped by the 4th of July? <laughs> and, a little bit muted, maybe? And, and so he redid it with the colors that we still use today, which is that mid to light shade brown mm-hmm. with the uh, tones. Yeah, with, with mostly it's kind of a drab green and then gold or, or yellowish sort of highlights, the, the colors we still use. Yeah. And I think we seem to tend mostly towards green and gold, but I, there is some brown in the logo. I work my butt off to push hard that green is in nearly everything we do. It's in our forums, it's in our yeah. logos, it's in everything. Because green's my favorite color. Yeah, the current logo color scheme, it's a weird one in that I'm not generally a big fan of earth tones, Mm -hmm. but it worked. Yeah. And it looked kind of like a military boot or something like that. And by pure coincidence, I've got a uh, Revy figure from our statue from Black Lagoon, and she wears boots that look almost identical to the Fear the Boot boots, (laughs) which uh, Fear the Boot came around long before Black Lagoon, so it's just pure coincidence. But I should still sue them. <laughs> but since we have a copyright or trademark or whatever on boots. But anyway, so that run of show, that run of host continued for a while. And we really did not think we would make it all that far. Right. By about show well, I 30. Don't, I don't think that there was ever a plan of saying, well, we're going to do 50 and then we're done. Or we're going to do 10 and we're done. Or we're going to do 100 and we're done. There was never a plan in point, but there was never an idea of saying, we're just going to keep going and going and going. Well, we thought for yeah. sure we'd be out of ideas. That yeah. we'd have nothing new to say. And then you came up with Brain On. It's true. That's later. We'll, we'll, <laughs> come, we'll come back to that. But Thanks, Wayne. People have actually stopped asking me what Brain On was. Thank you. <laughs> oh, then we shouldn't explain it. We should just tell them to send chat an email ask, what ask is Brain On? Yeah. And when is it going to come out? Uh, we did the first episode a few years ago. So, you know, <laughs> anytime now. But the show... We didn't have any sense that there'd be more to it. And one of the people, and I know he's gained kind of a mixed reputation in the gaming industry, but one of the people that really was instrumental to helping Fear the Boot really be a thing was Ryan Dancy. Mm. And he did a lot to encourage us early on. He was the first major name in the gaming industry to actually notice us. We didn't reach out to him. He reached out to us. And to really encourage us to keep going, to believe that there was a potential in new media to shape the gaming industry. 
And if you look not just at podcasting, but at Twitter, at blogs, at YouTube, oh, yeah. I mean, we, at the time, it was all about, oh, you got to get your books out and your magazines out and things like that. Mm -hmm. That's not true anymore. Mm -hmm. And he saw that coming. And he, well, and speaking of seeing things coming, we talked about uh, predictions. That's a man that likes his predictions. Well, that was how we got his attention, too, was we did a response. He made a prediction article for where he thought the gaming industry would be in a year or two. And we did a rebuttal to it. And thinking nobody's going right. to pay it to right. I mean, it may be moms tuning in. And he listened to our episode and responded to it. Like, wow, okay, hmm. let's see if we can get this guy on. Mm -hmm. And so he did. He came on. We did that early run of episodes pretty convinced that the show was already on death's door, not because of lack of listeners, because podcasting has a fixed cost. Whether we're consumed by one person or every single person on the planet, my cost to do the show is fundamentally the same. The only deciding factor is do we have the desire to do the show and do we have the topics to actually meaningfully fill a show to keep ourselves interested? And by episode 20 or 30, we thought we were already in the show's twilight. Obviously, that didn't occur. And one of the things that Ryan Dancy said to me at the time is he said, you just keep pursuing this hobby. It said, you are going to be very surprised by how much there is to talk about. Yeah. And to this day. We have never covered a topic twice. <laughs> right. We're, we're going to do the zero to published. Right. Absolutely. But no, I mean, seriously, though, I, there are episodes we've come back to. And we're going to talk about changing opinions and such here in a bit. But there are so many things that we do actually cover for the first time mm -hmm. because we play a game or we observe something about the hobby or product comes out, whatever it is. And we... Like, wow, we haven't talked about this. We haven't thought about this. Storytelling of any kind, much less interactive storytelling that adds rules and social dynamics and all such, there is so much to talk about. You know, if you run out of things to talk about, you're not paying attention to what you're doing. And so we managed to push on from that, and the show remained surprisingly stable for about a, I guess it was about a year and a half. And we did our first Gen Con-ish. We showed up, didn't know it was in the Eastern time zone, so we showed up late, <laughs> missed a big <laughs> podcaster meet and greet, walked around for a bit and left, did the uh, con more in earnest the following year. Yeah. It was not long after that we had the first Fear the Con, and things seemed like they were going pretty stably and pretty well. And I'm not going to go into the details, either you know them or you don't, but there was a very big and very profound, this was not a minor disagreement, this was not a minor you know, difference of opinions, a huge issue came up between me and Adam. And let's say, either you know that story or you don't. He and I had a huge falling out, it did not just involve me, it involved other people, and he was removed from the show. He is the only host in the entire run of Fear the Boot that has been removed. We've had hosts that have left for various reasons, usually because of other time constraints. They have kids, they move out of town, things like that. Their job changes, but it's the only host that was forced to leave the show. And it's kind of interesting because there's someone right now, and I forget his name, who's working through our show catalog in order, which makes me cringe. <laughs> but he commented that the show seemed to really change in quality 
about the time that it had a hosting change up right there. And he's right. Mm. And here's why. Fear the Boot, because it is a hobby product, it follows the ebb and flow of our social and emotional states. I'll tell you right now, it's not always the case, but usually when you hit that stretch of not just a bad episode, but we have a stretch of really dry, down-tempo, shitty episodes, it's probably because one or more of us are going through something really rough in our lives. I mean, it really shakes things up. It changes things up, but not in a good way. Whereas when we're doing well and our friend group is stable and our lives are stable and everything's coming up millhouse, <laughs> the quality of the show reflects that. You know, it, it's much more up-tempo. We tend to have much better discussions and things like that. But the show went through a casting change about there because Adam was removed from the show. Luke chose to leave. Mm-hmm. John stayed on the show, but he, about that point, went first down to law school and then went to Rome for a semester. Mm-hmm. Then from there, came back from Rome, but went to uh, his actual law school, not his pre-law or whatever, but his actual law school in a different part of Missouri and is now living in a different yet part of Missouri. And so he's just had one thing after another move him around where he's been a very inconsistent part of the show. Chris, the dude just can't get a solid internet connection to save his life. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. he moved from, I think he was originally living in Minnesota when we started this show, and then he moved to Iowa, and now he's in Alaska, literally, and his internet connection is just garbage everywhere he goes. And I would love to have him on the show more, but uh, who else was in there? So Tex was in there for a while. Yeah. And then Tex. Yeah, Tex got pulled away by other constraints he went through some Mm -hmm. personal issues that aren't mine to discuss then he ended up having kids and things like that just pulled his time he wasn't available was don before then or after don was while john was in rome okay yeah and then of course she obviously after being pregnant had a kid Mm -hmm. and so that kind of changed up things for don johan was on the show but he lives about an hour and a half two hours away from st louis and johan is way down the line from this yeah 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 i'm just kind of running through the hosts as i think about him and he would love to still be on the show and he is welcome anytime he wants to be but his job has changed such that it is much harder for him Mm -hmm. to get up to st louis to do the recordings i don't understand why that's a problem i mean he's got that deep baritone bass voice he just (laughs) Start speaking. He probably Down could. So the from, Missouri from, might pick it up from anywhere in the state, and yeah. and we would hear it. Julia had a kid. Brodor got a new job. They can show up at any point. Yeah. Just... yeah, Julia had Julia first had some health problems. Then she had a kid. She's once again she's local, still welcome to be on the show anytime she wants. I actually still see Julia fairly often. Mm-hmm. I see her probably once or twice a week, but she just is having trouble finding time to come up here to be on the show. Brodor. Yeah, he was a regular, and then he got pulled by his job, and he's now got his Thursday night back, which is why he's on the AP. But he oh, just he, great. He does not yet have his Tuesday night backs. He is trying to because he wants to be back on the show again. Sure. Once again, we'd love to have him back, but he's struggling to get his Tuesday nights open again to be on he, the show. You know, he asked me. He's like, "Well, which would be better for you guys? Because because he only have one night, right? You know, he, yeah. he can't do both the show and the AP." And he was like, which would it be better for you guys? Would it be better for me to be on the show or for me to be on the AP? And I go, to be honest with you, it would be better if you were on the show. But I want you on the AP. I want to full play with you. 
which is why we do this show. We do it for role-playing games. So I was completely selfish, and I denied you all Brodor. Listen to the AP. <laughs> yeah, and, and so this is why, though, the show has gone through so many iterations of its cast. Is The show has now been going on 12 and a half years. We all avoided the one that we just don't want to mention. Pat died. Pat died. And, of course, Pat... Lazy bastard. <laughs> this is hey he had the cheapest excuse for getting out of the show yeah he couldn't think him with anything else he couldn't he didn't have the guts to just tell me he didn't want to do it anymore so he got cancer <laughs> and died yeah now we have to feel yeah. sympathy for him and then we get all sad and watch and after his wife and his kids yep. and it's it's it was a prick move it was yeah he had to leave the show first because because he had cancer the cancer yep. the health yeah and his his health was in decline for about a year and a half to two years and then of course he ultimately died. And so uh, that's why Pat is obviously not on the show anymore. But things like that are why so many hosts have come and gone. And it is so difficult. Like a lot of people said, man, we'd love to hear a reunion show where you bring all these people back. And it's like, it's not that I'm against it with like maybe one or two exceptions. Mm -hmm. It's more that I don't think you understand how hard it would be to yeah. actually get these people in the same place at the same time. There, There is like a less than 1% group of people who were on the show no longer yeah. who just, eh, just don't feel like being on the show anymore. The others, as far as I know, really want to be on the show, and life has moved them away yeah. that far. As far as mm -hmm. I understand it, from everything, you know, they're still active with us as friends. Mm -hmm. They still talk to us about the show. If... Tomorrow, the circumstances changed for John, Johan, Julia, Brodor, and probably some others I'm not thinking of off the top of my head. Oh, I'm sure we've forgotten people. Chris is another one. They would be back on this show in a heartbeat. And by the way, I do have some potentially good news, which is actually things might be changing on the John front. Hmm. Uh, he may actually be moving back to St. Louis here in the next couple of months. Possibly some things are still up in the air. If he does, I hope. Certainly, he will be more than welcome that he will be back on the show again as a you know regular fixture. But yeah, for most of these people, it's just life took them another direction. And I mean, for a moment, think about your own life. Twelve and a half years. How many jobs have you been through? How many people have come and gone? How many people, I don't mean to be dark here, how many people do you know, family members, friends, whatever, who have passed away? Who you've had falling outs with? Who have simply moved somewhere else? They've had a kid or gotten married, and you just can't see them as often because they're busy with other stuff. Or they got that job that works them second shift. Whatever it is, if you think about the past 12 and a half years, I would wager you've gone through a lot of change in your life. And so have we. But the difference is ours is kind of a matter of public record. Mm -hmm. You know, Other yeah. people see what happens with that. And so they, they wonder, oftentimes not really knowing, where did so-and-so go and why has the show changed? Yeah, Chat left the show a couple times for jobs. There was the obvious early on big jump, but there were a couple of small stints in there where it's like, okay, guys, I'm between jobs right now. I'm yeah. not going to, I need to conserve. I need to search. Yep. And those were only for a couple weeks at a time or maybe a yep. month at most. But yeah, those even happened. Yeah. The joys of IT consulting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and there were times in there where I was looking at either my own life or the hosting lineup or whatever, and I was making the call mentally of, at some point, do I declare this show dead and or do I permanently change the format to be a solo show or a solo plus interview, like a solo plus guest? So it's like a lounge type show. 
And there were times I had to contemplate that pretty seriously of are the hosts changing over so fast or I've got a show. And for this next three weeks, I literally don't know who, if anyone is going to be available. What do I do? You know, is this is this the end of the show? People always talk about the well, not so much anymore. People used to always talk about the old lineup. But when you look at what they referred to as the old lineup, how long did it really last versus you, me and Chad? Mm-hmm. have been consistent since like 250 on or so yeah probably longer than that i mean because i wayne i don't know what your first episode was but i would wager it's probably in the 100s yes i don't remember what number it was actually it would have been before 200 because i remember 200 yeah. yeah so i say wayne i think you were in the 100s and we are now at 500 the longest consistent hosts on this show are in this order me, followed by Chad, followed by Wayne. And so what you are hearing... And I think followed by Pat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, followed, Pat, Pat is probably number four. And then probably John or Chris. Yeah. I would say, uh, I don't know. I don't know which of those two I'd put next. But the three of us have been the longest... Okay, in terms of length of time on the show, it's been John. In terms of episodes on the show, I don't know. It'd be a coin toss. Yeah. between. I'm sure there is an answer to that. But... This is the longest consistent lineup of the show. It has been the three of us, plus or minus whoever's in the fourth chair. And right now, I mean, it's no secret, unless you're a freaking moron, that Caleb has been filling that fourth chair on and off. What? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Believe that one. Or he moved. How to... did he sneak past his <laughs> fake show where we test him out? I thought we were going to fire that guy. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, we're always looking to keep the show lineup fresh and filled. And what was really nice is there was a period in there where there were enough of us in town. John was in town. Julia didn't have a kid yet. Uh, Johan was coming up some where we actually would go out and schedule who's going to be on yeah. this week. Yeah, because we had too many. And then Chad and I would take weeks off to do. Chad did the board game meetup group. Mm-hmm. I did Pathfinder Society during that time. There were times <laughs> when we gave Dan time off, too. Yeah. Where yeah. I, 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 there's a handful of episodes I wasn't on. Not many. But there is a handful of episodes that I was not on. I was in the house, mm-hmm. but I was not on the mics. Yeah, that was kind of nice having that many people that we could trade in right. and out. And it also gave some fresh voices. Mm-hmm. I've got several things I want to talk about here still. Are you going to bring the funny? <laughs> I'm not going to bring the funny. <laughs> I'm going to go first before you go, Dan. Okay. Because there are a couple of things that we used to talk about in the back rooms as we talked about shows. Mm-hmm. We would talk about, you know, trying to figure out what we need to do for the next shows and all that. And there were phrases that would come up. One of them was, bring the funny. One of the other ones was, we need to have conflict. Yeah. Because the best episodes are where we fight with each other. Well, maybe not fight, but we did have a problem where we had too many episodes in a row where we threw out a topic. I believe RPG should have dice. Yep. Okay, that's our show. Yeah, exactly. That was... And that was... Boring podcasting. Not to say you want genuine conflict. Dice, how dare you? If there's no disagreement, if there's nothing to actually debate, it's a boring show. Well, and that's the thing. When I look back, I agree. I think some of those where we get like Chris versus Chad or Chris versus versus Chad or Dan versus Chad. (laughs) Chad versus Chad. Some of those were really good. What? <laughs> Some of those were really good debates. But we don't really have to talk about things like that anymore. 
but it used to be a big thing is like we need to bring the funny we need to have the contentious topics we need to and that was something we would always think mm-hmm. about for a period there there are phases of the show and that was one phase where it was like yeah. in the back i i know there were other phrases or other things mm-hmm. but those are the two that stand out at me that we just don't think about anymore we right. don't need to well and it's Kind of interesting because one of the other things to think about is in 12 and a half years, not only has a lot changed in our lives, we've gotten older. And, yeah. and by virtue of getting older, we've mellowed out. And I, and I want to talk about how time in the show has changed us. It's on my, I've got some notes here of things I want to talk about. But we've gotten more mellow. We do still disagree, but we I don't think we get as animated about it as we once yeah, did. It's mm-hmm. not that passionate debate that it used to be. Because in the end, we're going to realize that both are right anyway. Or but yeah, or have different, or, or workable. You know, if, if you're having fun and the game's working, who cares? I have a perception. Like right now, one of our earliest episodes was slamming the freak show games <laughs> where everybody has to be something bizarre. Yeah. I am in a freak show D&D game right now. There's not a single normal thing at the table. <laughs> it's my Waymick. Somebody else is playing an ASMR, which is the angel version of a tiefling. Somebody's playing a tiefling who is raised by gnolls. Somebody's playing a dragon born kin. I'm not sure what. Somebody's playing a part giant or part elemental or something. It's a walking freak yeah. show, and we're having a ton of fun. Chad used to bash D&D, and he's running a 5th edition game and well, loving it. Well, finally made a good version of D&D. <laughs> That's not my fault. <laughs> I have a perception, though, that times have actually changed. Like, attitudes within the role-playing game community has changed. I think that 12, 15 years ago or so, role-playing games were very much... They were a lot more structured. I mean, you had places like The Forge, and you Mm -hmm. had these other, like, independent sort of uh, role-playing game makers who were on the fringe... And they made these story type games and they were weird and different. It's like you had real role playing. You had D&D and you had Battletech and you had Traveler and you had, you know, these sort of very solid. And sure, one counterpoint to that was World of Darkness. World of Darkness was, the, oh, that's the what yep. the weird people who dress in all black play. And sure, it's legit. Whatever. We'll yep. allow that. And But then I think that there was a general sort of, I don't want to say rebellion, but there was a push to... You know, maybe we kind of get need to get the stick well, out of our ass. Well, and one of the other things that happened was drive through RPG. I yeah. said that was the big change. Was you were right at the start of two things, and I think they were related. Which was the real boom of the distribution, the broad distribution of independent role playing games. Because no longer did you have to staple them together <laughs> at Kinkos and pray that the guy at your game shop would put them on the shelf. Right. You could go online, drop a PDF, whatever, and RPG now or drive through RPG and things like that made that distribution a whole lot easier. The second thing was the D20 OGL made it so that people suddenly had a immediate buy-in to the product. Right. So you drop something that nobody's ever heard of. I've got my whatever system. People might try it. People might not. But with that whole D20 OGL, people go out there and buy their D20 product and if it had good reviews on RPG now or drive through RPG or whatever it was called at the time, they could plug that into their game and, and run with it. And I think the two, they were not related, but I think the sudden surge of indie people able to distribute their product plus the D20 OGL making that more attractive to the consumer 
drove that mm-hmm. that yep. age of of independent games that were really experimenting. Yeah. And suddenly you got Burning and you got Fate and you got well, and yep. think of it this way: when we first started, that was barely just in its infancy, try, taking off in, in certain communities and such. And we were saying controversial things like you don't have to have two and a half combats in every session, followed by you don't have to have any combats in your session. You don't have to use minis. You don't have to use minis or terrain. You don't have to use a GM screen. Holy that (laughs) was that lit the Internet on our side of the world on fire. And these things now we list we say this kind of stuff. We're like. Yeah, that's called role-playing, guys. Come on. Back then, believe it or not, that was controversial. Yeah. yeah. Well, when you look for the original, there's the OGL. Now, if you look at current systems, you've got things like Powered by the Apocalypse. Right. Same concept. Somebody made the yeah. core game. The Apocalypse has. You have the... other people that are creative, but they're not creative to the level that they want to start from scratch. Yeah. They want to take a base and put their world on top of it. Well, they want to focus on the the game, not the rules. Yes. So you have Fate. You have Powered by the Apocalypse. Even Savage Worlds is one that can be used as a core with things over it. And that's something that's really changed how portable rules. Yeah. Portable Mm -hmm. rule systems did not used to be a thing. GURPS. Done. That was it. (laughs) GURPS. Um... (laughs) But, but even there, GURPS was a, all of the books published that use right. the GURPS core thing, still the same company. Yeah. You didn't have independent yeah, no games based OGL. off of GURPS. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. GURPS was meant that you could take your setting and sort of carry it to GURPS, I guess. But yeah, it was not like, here's a, I don't know. I'm sure there were. I'm sure there was like a couple of settings that people had written that way. But that's not, for the most part, how that was structured. It was You couldn't play that you couldn't take that setting book and play it without the core GURPS book. Yeah, the closest you got to that was Palladium with their... They tried for an interchangeable rule system that... But their rule systems were terrible. Well, it was a terrible rule system, and it only kind of worked. I mean, even they finally had to admit it with... Was it Nightbane? Nightspawn slash Nightbane, where they gave up on MDC and whatever. Mm -hmm. I mean, they even admitted it's not going to work. And yeah, it, it had all kinds of issues of its own. I'm thinking back to the conflict thing. I'm trying to think of what is the most controversial thing that I could say right now in the context of role playing games. No, sure. not like a racist comment or something. But with but about role playing games, what is the most controversial thing that I could say that would get people around the mics vehemently disagreeing with me, and then people writing me emails and telling me how wrong I am? Anything about D and D? Well, see that. <laughs> That's not a controversial opinion. That leads down a rabbit hole. Yeah, I tell you, though, the game that I swear, and this is kind of a bit of comedy from behind the scenes doing the show. We can do an episode and talk about anything. If at some point we make one passing comment about D&D, that was the episode. Yep, Yep, that's all anybody ever heard. Oh, that annoys the hell out of me. I, I, I mean, I'm sure it is for many reasons, because for a lot of people, it was their first game. For a lot of people, it's the game they've played the most over the years. If you include Pathfinder in there, it has a lot of organized play. And so I think if there's a reason why people feel so... They take it so personally. They, they, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, like, this is something that's part of identity to them. Mm-hmm. And that game, I swear, inspires more <laughs> of a surge of emotion 
and whatever, I don't know, maybe whatever it is, than anything else, as if we mentioned D&D, we can say wackadoodle stuff about, once again, keeping this to role-playing right. games, <laughs> about anything else under the sun, and people do not care half so much, yeah. a tenth as much. And back in the day, people really cared. I mean, if, I hate to go back to it, but it yeah. just blows my mind that yeah. holding the opinion that you can have an entire gaming session without a single combat in it was wild back then. Oh. In 2006, that got long ranting forum posts and blog comments. Dice fudging conversations. Dice fudging, yep. That's one that brings out, you. well, it's one that used to bring out mm-hmm. the real debates. Right. So let's talk about some of the funny kind of behind, really random behind the scenes stuff. So the logos we've been through. All right, so there's, I, I teased it before. I guess we've actually been through four logos because there was the draft that, Tim originally gave me that was red, white, and blue. Mm. And I, you know, I actually had to dig back in my email and see if I can find that. If I can't, I will link all f- all of the logos in our show notes. So we had that one was the first one, which got scrapped before the show even launched. The second one is the was a hand-drawn version that's pretty similar to the one we have now. Now, somewhere around there, there were two logos that occurred about the same time. And I don't remember which one came first because they were pretty close together. There was somebody who was a listener of the show who redid our logo and cleaned it up quite a bit. They actually did it as a really nice like Photoshop or Illustrator job. And this is the logo that we currently use. And I would love to give this person credit, but the problem is they gave it to me some years back. And I think it might've even been linked through a forum PM. And our first, our original forums died and could not be recovered to the new version of PHP BB. And so I don't have the ability to give credit I wish I could, but somebody redrew that logo and gave it to us. And if you want to identify yourself, I will happily credit you in the next show or the next show we record after I get that email. I don't know who it was. But about that time, I also got to be good friends with a guy. If anyone's a fan of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, it was created by two guys, Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird, I think is the other guy. Kevin Eastman bought a comic book magazine called Heavy Metal which if nothing else, you're probably familiar with through the movie Heavy Metal. All right, there's there's a graphic novel sort of magazine that is based on that. It was originally, I think, French, and it got imported into America, and there was an American version of it. And I became pretty good friends with Kevin Eastman's best friend, who's also one of the recurring cover artists for Heavy Metal, a guy by the name of Lorenzo. And so Lorenzo did an alternate logo for us. I had a girl, basically like a pinup type girl, wearing the Fear the Boot boots, and sitting on the name Fear the Boot. And that was very briefly our logo. And the reason it was very briefly our logo is people responded and generally said, okay, it doesn't really bother me per se, but it has the potential to be kind of off-putting because of the fact that it's a cheesecake picture and whatever. I think the most common feedback I saw on that short time was, it's not that I'm offended. It's just that's not fear the boot. That's not what. That's we are. not the image that you project. That is not you. Yeah, we're not the Howard Stern of podcasting. And so what we ended up doing was I moved that logo away from the show itself. And when we stole a cafe press store, I put it on the cafe press store. And I will let you guess what our number one selling logo item was on the cafe press store was the pinup girl. She wildly outsold everything else on that storefront, which is now long gone. Uh, not the logo, but the I still have the high res of the logo and everything. And I'm, I still talk to Lorenzo. He's a great guy. 
but that was a middle logo that was only used for like, I mean, seriously, it was like two weeks before that came and went. And it got relegated to the cafe press store. And I, I don't know. I may eventually bring it back as like, if we do something else, like what's the one everybody goes to now is like uh red bubble or something or what well, is it? There's a bunch of them. Yeah. There's a bunch of them. So if we end up on one of those, maybe I'll bring it back as an optional item, but we won't make it the show logo again. I mean, the people were right. It doesn't really fit mm-hmm. what we're about. And it's really not the message we want to send. So that's how we ended up with the logo that we now have our original business cards. Back in 2006, you had to say, because everyone would tell you, they can't listen to your podcast, they don't have an iPod. Hmm. We had to put on the business cards, you don't need an iPod to listen to our show, you just go to the URL. Well, now we moved from that to, as of today, people are mostly consuming our show through direct downloads, Google, iHeartRadio, I mean, things that didn't even exist as podcatching things, I guess, you know, back then. We created our own website we started our own forums now social media has become so distributed that we have went from forums now we've got discord and facebook groups and for a while there was a big push to have the website have blogs Mm -hmm. brought in a couple people that would do recurring columns well we had uh uh seamus young for a while did a a comic on our site that actually was stressing the site it was (laughs) because it was so popular it was called Chainmail Bikini, and they had their own drama that had nothing to do with us, <laughs> right. and that eventually wrapped up, and I don't, honestly don't know. Well, I know Seamus Youngstar. I still see him pop up from time to time. I don't know what happened to the artist from that, to be completely honest. Man, what's some other stuff that's occurred along the way? For a while there, well, it still exists. There's a separate Skies of Glass website. For a while there, there was, did you did you publish the comic book? The no, I that's the one that so I tell you my worst run with artists. and I've got yet another one now that I'm trying to work with is there is a graphic novel I have been trying to get made for almost as long as Fear the Boot has existed. And by the way, lest anyone ever worry about this or think this is where my failure comes from. I am a paying person. I, <laughs> no, I am, you're not paying an exposure. I'm not paying, paying an exposure. Money. Yes. We, and I sit down with the artist up front and say, look, I want your input. I want you to be involved in this. Here's cash money. We're going to make this worth your while. You know, let's get it. Let's get this project going. I am now, I believe, on my sixth artist for this yep. graphic novel. Well, <laughs> and where my confusion comes in on whether it was ever released or not is we've seen it. Because you were smart enough not to start releasing it until you had a huge back catalog. We've seen this back catalog that never got released, and it's really good. Yeah, I I mean, I'm not saying this just because I wrote it. I think it's a great story. It's a story that I have been chewing on for a long time. Yeah, And then Chris and I both did serial fiction for for Skies of Glass. Glass. Yeah, so let's talk Skies of Glass because there's two kind of funny things in with that. So one is for years, we absolutely would not do an actual play. Right. There uh, were a, a, I wouldn't say a majority of hosts. I would say it was a loud, large minority of hosts who absolutely refused to be recorded while they role-played. And there were a couple of us who were wanted to try it. We're fine with it, but we couldn't get the group together who would be, who would be willing to do it. Yeah, yeah. And I did it elsewhere and realized I had no problem with it mm-hmm. as a side game. Yeah, I wouldn't want the only game I ever played to be just the actual play because you do 
act differently on it. Mm. You you are cognizant of the microphone being there. Eventually, you kind of forget, and it's not as big of a deal, but it's still, there's something that always holds you back, and you're getting ready to say something, and you realize, oh, wait, that's going to be recorded. And Yeah, which, I, I don't know if it maybe just... Maybe you don't have that I, I, I mean, I... I no, don't know I don't. if it's just, maybe it's just taking time. Maybe it's the fact that Brodor is like the grease for the wheels. <laughs> That's true, too. Whatever any of us have to say, oh, yeah. he's going to yeah. be. I, I, it might shock people if it comes from one of us, but it would never top whatever it is Brodor said in the session. But I, I don't know. But at some point, we're like, eh, screw it. Let's try it. And so we did the AP, and that's done it's not as big as the primary show is, but it has done very well, well for itself. It's hard to listen to four hours a session. Yeah, uh, sure. And so, say, you remember the first AP we actually did wasn't that. It was a damn disaster. No, <laughs> I'm going back. Well, yes, we have mechanical issues with it. But for Fear the Con, whatever number that we did the Kickstarter backer, yeah. we did a small Skies of Glass actual play mm. that we released to those people. I thought that was later. I thought the D&D actual play came first. This was a one-shot game that you ran. Yeah, the Skies of Glass Blackbird. I, I, yep. thought, I thought, though, Stonekeep, the D&D game, was before that, and that was a damn disaster because Chris wouldn't mm. stop making an obscene commentary in the so chat, normal. and so that's Pat nice. was literally getting a blowjob. <laughs> well, I'm not <laughs> counting that one because we never released any of that. Yeah. This, at least we released to a small number of people. Okay, fair enough. And it was one of those... Sure, we could do it because we're not releasing it for everyone. It's just a small number. Yeah, I'll just choke through it and, and be done with it. But so, yeah, the APs in there. What's the stuff we've changed our opinions on over the years? I, one of them, I don't know if it's a change of opinion or just whatever. You guys as the audience have more of an impact on us than you know. And it's not just in the way that we conduct ourselves, because that definitely has happened. So Some of the ways we talk and the things we say and whatnot. But... Through Fear the Con, through you guys, when we came on the show, we were talking about what we'll call more modern role-playing concepts. The idea that you don't have to be bound by the rules, you can be a little more narrative, whatever. But we were doing it in the framework of 1980s into hmm. maybe early 90s games. You know, These games were all, by this point, 10, 15 years outdated, and a lot of people called us on that in the early part of the show of, Everything you're talking about is out of print. Why aren't you talking about this game and this game and this game? You're a Battletech podcast. Oh, still are. Should be. <laughs> but we moved from that. I mean, we went to like Fear of the Con and all of a sudden people like, you know, Meow Meow or whatever. <laughs> they start, these people come along and start introducing us to games like you guys. Okay. Mm. You, you start introducing us to games like Dread, to things like Apocalypse, to things like Fate. And all of a sudden we start seeing all of these other game types. People's different homebrews, you know, whatever. And, of course, we had our own homebrews. Most of my homebrews have been around since they all popped up about the same time, which is the early 90s. Skies of Glass, Epoch of Rysos, whatnot. These all popped up about that time. And we suddenly started seeing all these other ways of ga- these other games. And they became part of what excites us. They became part of our lexicon. They, you know, they changed the show. Because we started responding to the what we were getting from you guys. You, know, you guys pointed us to titles that were pretty cool or to ideas that were pretty cool or to communities that were pretty cool. And we just, you know, just kind of absorbed that. We just mm-hmm. sort of pulled that into our, our consciousness and added that to the show. Yeah, I know 
Chad, I don't think you ever had any desire to build a role-playing game before like going through Dread and some of those others that started giving you these ideas. Well, no, I did, actually. I had worked on other role-playing games before, but it never they never got anywhere. I had always liked the idea of writing a role-playing game. It's just that I wasn't really a writer, so I never really did anything with it. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I know... I said, Fear the Cons for me are a chance to try out new games. Mm-hmm. I always try to get in at least a couple games that I've never played before, see what new systems are like, see what other GMs are like. A lot of my jamming style, well, first of all, all of my jamming style has been created on the show. Right. I started on the show without ever having ran a game. I started on the show barely having played games <laughs> and having Skies of Glass really be the only system that I knew. Mm-hmm. Going to now, I run games without thinking about it. I mean, yeah. I I can do a games completely off the top of my head, like Chad, where I sit down. And I've got nothing. I can do games where I've planned everything out, like Dan, and <laughs> sit down. I tend to fall in between, but mm-hmm. I tend to fall more on the Chad side for a lot of my games. But I can do con games now. Mm-hmm. I do organized play games. I can do. What was the first game you ran? First time I tried to run was a failure. <laughs> <laughs> but what was the game? Uh, It was when I tried the Mutants and Masterminds game. Ah, okay. And I realized that I had all of this character stuff and I didn't have a story. Mm. The first time that I ran a successful session Mm -hmm. was in the Revolving GM game. Mm -hmm. And then the first time I ran something not for you guys was Skies of Glass at Fear the Con 3. I ran it in two slots. Nice. You know, that's something else that has changed, I think, within... RPG media as a whole. And I don't think it affected us all that much because we were never part of it, which is gaming media is a lot less productized than it used to be. Like when we first started doing Fear the Boot, there were two major things about gaming media that were different. One is that it tended to follow a news magazine format. You know, they had segments and stingers and bumpers and all this, this you know, real, we're going to do 10 minutes of this and 15 minutes of that. Then five minutes of something that somebody else recorded and sent Mm -hmm. in. And we didn't do that. We just had an open discussion. We had a roundtable discussion, which is what we still do to this day. But something else that was really big at the time that we never got that much into. And now I'm not saying there aren't shows that do it, but I will say it is not nearly as dominant as it used to be is people used to get really hardcore on products and industry news of this is what's coming out. And we're going to talk to the creator such and such. And we're going to go through this book. And, and I mean, we tried our hand at that a little bit with that horrible Tolis review and what in the horrible Tolis game it cost like $10,000 or something. <laughs> and it was just like, does anyone still own one of those super expensive Tolis books oh, yes. and still play it? Have okay. you gotten your money? It's the latter question. Does anyone still own it? The answer I'm sure is yes. Because mm-hmm. RPG players were pack rats. Yeah, we, you are, we, but yeah. Well, no, I think most are. Man, most people have these huge gaming libraries. Yeah, I mean, I've got shelves of gaming books that I will never use in my basement. Yeah, we were at Caleb's house for a gaming, you know, board game night, and we saw his collection. You don't throw your stuff out. I mean, unless it's destroyed, or unless you move to Alaska. Uh, okay, well, let me rephrase that to the non-specific you, not you, Chad. But because I throw my stuff out. I hate stuff. Yeah. But a lot of a lot of gamers, myself included, 
I don't throw my stuff out. I want unless it's just destroyed and unusable. If I can't I have, sell my stuff, it goes in the trash. I have or a goodwill. huge Battletech collection because Chad doesn't keep his stuff. Right. <laughs> and I, I mean, Dollars? like, a box higher than the table that the microphones are sitting on full of Battletech books is what I got. From and them. we got all the fun we could squeeze out of that Battletech set, and I was done with it. Moved on. Here you go. Yeah, I, to me, Why I don't... keep stuff when others will keep it. Well, okay. for you, they'll just keep it. Yeah, all right. Well, and I suppose that's a, that, that is a fair question of if you're going to give it to somebody who will get more use out of it than you are. Yeah. But I find myself, I mean, I still dust off these books. I run them from time to time. I use them as resources. I use them for inspiration. And some of it is maybe, I don't know, I, it's like throwing away an old photo because I look at these and I remember so many experiences and it's not per se that I'm trying to recapture those experiences, not in the new sense. Like, right. This is not, we, we talked about this some episodes back of trying to recreate a game and it's not even about that, but it's like looking at a photograph, you know, yeah. if you just kind of think, well, wow, I remember when that happened and I don't keep a lot of photos, but I do keep a lot of things that remind me of people and experiences. I could say, for example, one of the best trips I ever went on, it was uh, me and Carla, Pat and Beth, and then my sister Christina and her husband, uh, Adam, not to be confused with the ex-host. And uh, the six of us went on a cruise, and it was just outstanding. And we had a great time, and I have almost no pictures of it. In fact, I don't know that I have any pictures of it except the ones that other people took. But what I have that reminds me of that, that will always remind me of that, is queen conch shells that I pulled out of the ocean just off of the shore of Grand Turk. And uh, when I look at those, I remember that. I remember wading through or swimming through at times waist-deep water, looking at all the starfish and the tropical fish and all the colorful stuff and seahorses and squid, and then pulling up these queen conch shells, and they're huge. If you've never seen one, they're about the size of like a cantaloupe. I mean, they're big. If you've never seen a cantaloupe, it's about the size of a queen conch. And I had five of them because I found five really good ones. I had five of them. And I'm trying to carry them back to shore. But there's these horrible waves because they're breaking off the rocks. It's not a beach. So they're breaking off these rocks and knocking me over. And so I'm getting then drug along these rocks. My chest is getting all torn up. But I will not let go of these damn queen conchs. All five of them made it back to shore. <laughs> and so, you know, it sounds like a horrible story to remember. You're out in the sun. You're getting your chest bashed <laughs> up with rocks. Dude, I was having a great time. The people on shore thought it was hilarious. That tells me more of a story than a picture will. I mean, it's just writing a, a role-playing book is the same way. I look at the role-playing books. Uh, somebody made us, uh, there's all kinds of stuff people have given us over the years that you guys send in random stuff. And I don't get rid of it because... It reminds me, I've got, you know, right over there is the set that uh, Heather Fisher gave to me of the 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 clan mech with its background, uh, you know, it's a little diorama or whatever, or it's panorama, I don't, I don't know what the artistic term is for that. But, you know, I've got Boots, the Fear the Boot, My Little Pony. Hmm. The uh, dice bag I have sitting out on the table out there for gaming came from a listener. The dice bag I use on a regular basis at gaming came from a listener. It's crazy, man. I walk into see. All right, this is something, and and it's really hard. People to, don't send me anything; they hate me. It's really hard. You got a toaster? I did get a toaster. It's okay. <laughs> I get a Hello Kitty toaster. So and you, guess what I did this morning? I made toast in my Hello Kitty toaster. So 
This is one Don't of the be jelly wing. Get it? Toast, jelly. And jelly, jelly, yes. I, I got it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't want it, but I got it. <laughs> I'm just buttering you up. You yeah. love puns. You, you've left the show in a jam. <laughs> puns have been with the show since the beginning, and they will be here through its end. Because puns are wonderful. <laughs> if I drop dead at the mics, a pun will be the last thing to come out of my mouth. That's right. <laughs> I smell toast. <laughs> this show Done. is burnt. And then my head is going to drop <laughs> dead on the... And the show will be over because mm-hmm. it'll have been burnt. So that's true. All right, but let me. I, I don't know how to talk about this one without it sounding like humble bragging. It's it's not. But you're the best role playing podcast oh, host yes. on the internet. Not to <laughs> humble brag. No hashtag. Yes, I am. You know how weird it is, and I'm and I'm saying this not to the people at the table. I'm saying this to listeners. All right, so I'm not usually because by the way, I, I've made no secret of the fact that I have an anxiety disorder. I really struggle being around people I don't know, speaking in front of groups of people. It's very difficult for me. A lot of the times you see me speaking at an event, I'm either on Valium or alcohol or both. But what makes podcasting easy, and this isn't what I wanted to talk about, I'll get to that in a second. What makes podcasting easy is I don't pay attention to the mics. I just look at Wayne, I look at Chad. I understand there is a theoretical listener who may or may not respond to what, but you're like a Schrodinger's cat to me. Okay. You may or may not exist. I I really haven't actualized that until I open the box and find a cat. (laughs) And now suddenly the cat becomes a thing, which is why I don't think you'd ever do well with a long-term solo show. Well, I think I could, but only if it was a very short format, like it'd have to be like a five or 10 minute Dan's thought of the day. And right. then the occasional Dan actually on like capital ship combat mm. or transformers or something. Yeah. Cause let's face it. When you go on a capital ship combat lecture, we could be sitting at the table here. That doesn't matter. We're zoned. Oh, we're yeah. too down. Gone. I'm, I'm flying see with us there. the capital ships out in space. Ooh, outstanding. Full Newtonian physics. I hope. Uh, I don't know. You'd have to start talking. Then I get that glazed over look in my eyes. <laughs> Wake me up. And then I'll tell you. <laughs> so, one of the things that is really weird, okay, backing up, mm-hmm. I am speaking to directly... This, ima- this image of a capital ship slowly backing up, beeping in space, and then you're on the bridge going, why can we hear the beeping in space? Why is it even backing up? No, the ship would have to do a flip burn. Yeah, oh. they actually made a joke about that in Mass Effect too, because Shepard talks to one of the guys of the Citadel who sells flight computer software, Mm-hmm. And he's like, you would not believe how many times I get people trying to return it saying, my ship's turning around. Then he and Shepard at the same time say, but I'm only halfway there. Because <laughs> you have to do the opposite burn to decelerate. Yeah, it's funny because they never deal with that at any point in Mass Effect. They never deal with the physics of it all. But they do mention that there's a flip burn. But anyway, all right. So Fascinating. <laughs> I am now speaking directly and solely to the listener, Okay. Not to the people at the table. In fact, I'm even looking at a wall, so I'm not looking at Wayne or Chad. You're you're looking at Brodor's list. So one of the, probably the strangest thing about doing this show is the idea that somebody consumes it. And I don't mean that from a standpoint of we have X number of listeners. I mean walking into a convention and people hear your voice or see a name tag and walk up to you and say, oh my gosh, I'm so glad to meet you. Would you sign my this or that? I had somebody who was starting a podcast who wanted me to sign his starting podcast gear. And Someone at Fear the Con 3 had us sign one of the uh, burned copies of the episode. Yeah. And that was the weirdest feeling for me that and someone's asking. Look, let me, I, I don't know how to put this any more plainly than who the f am I? 
you know, yeah. it, it, and that's that's not. I uh, maybe it's a rhetorical question, maybe it's not. But I mean, there is nothing special about us. There is nothing special about what we do. There is nothing all that whatever, at least to us. But when we go out there, and I try very hard on the show, I always refer to you guys as listeners. That's the word I try to always use is listeners, consumers maybe, because I try to describe it in neutral terms. To me, fan is a label you get to pick for yourself. I will not call anyone that listens to the show a fan. That is your choice to say you are a fan. It is not my label to give. But when people walk up to you and describe themselves, they say, I am a fan of you or I'm a fan of what you create. It is very, very disorienting. And I and I I don't mean that to belittle or to make uncomfortable anyone who has said this to us. I appreciate it. I, it means a lot to me. It's it's a great thing, but it is the sort of thing that nothing that I did in the course of this show ever prepared me for. There were things that prepared me for criticism, things that prepared me for this, that, the other. There are friends that helped me through things. There are friends that helped me get through the whole debacle at the Ennies that we went through back in 2007 or 2008. That was a total show. That was actually probably the best press you could have ever got for the podcast. Oh, yeah, especially, well, uh, well maybe we'll come back to the Ennies here and talk about some of the things that happened with that. But that is such a disorienting thing. I'm not a movie star. I'm not a hit singer. You know, none of us are, right? I'm just a regular dude. I wake up. I have my pets. I go to my job. My life has the same kind of drama yours does. I mean, look, there's probably going to be a little bit of a pause in the show. And part of the reason that the episodes lately have had such a weird release schedule. And I mean, this really isn't a secret. Many people already know as I'm going through a divorce right now. And that may cause that already has caused some interruption to the show releases because I'm dealing with that. And in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be moving, moving out. And so that's going to cause a disruption. If you can find your way through the mansion. If I can find my <laughs> yeah. way. If I can find my way. I'm going to follow the string back to the entrance. Right. But <laughs> I, I mean, it's going to have all this impact on Dad's life. But the really the sad part about it, we can't make jokes like that anymore. Oh, I know. I know. As I'm moving into a much more regular cool. place. We can't ride the horses to the recording studio anymore. <laughs> that's what really is disappointing to me. I, following the sound of the horses is how my butlers find their way. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> they won't be able to find you now. So, but the, the point <laughs> is that there is nothing unique about what we do. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, our look, we, we appreciate the Patreon support. You guys make a lot of things possible because hosting the show is not free. The equipment is not free. Aisha's not doing the audio editing for the exposure. I pay her because I'm not an asshole, you know. And no, so- we tried the exposure thing. She told us to get bent, so now we have to do cash money. And by her doing it, Dan is so much more personable again. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so you can see our Patreon numbers. We don't hide them. We're not getting rich off this. There is There is nothing unique about my life, right? It is just like yours. Until I walk into Gen Con and somebody sees my name tag or hears my voice, because many people don't know what I look like. They've just heard me on the show. And all of a sudden, people start reacting. And it's like, this isn't right. Like, this this, this yeah. shouldn't be part of my life. So it's I've only so gone, surreal. I've only gone to one Gen Con. And this was one where we did the most media coverage we did for any Gen Con. This was the one where Chris has the 
has the microphones with the fear the boot thing around it. Yeah. And we are all, we're wearing like fear the boot shirts and it's very obvious. And someone comes running down the hall cause they see all the logos and she's like, Oh my God, it's fear the boot. <laughs> that was my first experience with Gen Con. And my first experience with that of they saw from across the hall and came running and it's like, why? <laughs> <laughs> and then we had our two bits of infamy. One was the Ennies. Mm-hmm. And then the other was uh, getting kicked out of Margaret Weiss Productions table because of the riff track we made for the Dragonlance movie. <laughs> and then eventually having uh, Tracy Hickman on the show interviewing yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. after John's comment about he only got into podcasting to Tracy Hickman. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. Which, you, by the way, there's a video of that. If I can find it, I might like that off the show notes of John's accepted speech for the Robin Laws Award. So the other one, since we're talking about linking things that I think we should link, Fear the Con 3. I'm going to go back to that one. I'm pretty sure it was 3, not 4. We've talked about it a few times on the air. Noble Bear made a card game. FTB, FT. Was it FTB, FTW? Fear the boot for the win. Yep. And after one of the nights there, Dan and I are sitting there, and he goes through the deck of cards, because the cards has forum posters are on it, and we all have cards on it. And he's going through saying what each person means. That is an incredibly, like, that's a community thing. That's not even just a podcast thing. And after all of this time from three till now, you can go out and buy that now. Yeah, I'll link that in the show notes because yeah, you can now buy the card game. It's available on drive through. And, and having played the game, I played earlier versions. I don't know what the current version mm-hmm. compares to. I had a lot of fun playing it. And the cards are a lot of in-jokes, a lot of yeah. things like that. But that was fun. Yeah, because I think the, at least how it played before was you pick a host card. And that's the host you play. And you're basically trying to garner a faction of the community to support you the most. Mm -hmm. And each person's worth different point values. And there's different things you can do, like sock puppets and (laughs) crap. Like, yeah, you can ban people. You know, those on the flip side of talking about people recognizing us. One of the things that has changed in me as I've done the show, and I don't know if this is getting used to it. I don't know if this is developing thicker skin. I don't know if it's mellowing with age. I don't know if it's just I've become too distracted by other things to notice, but criticism, especially when it was mean-spirited, really, really profoundly bothered me when we started the show. The first negative review we got was, it was on iTunes, and the exact phrasing was, I think it was something like, uh, bad advice poorly dispensed, which now I want to get on a (laughs) t-shirt, but... At the time, and that really bothered me. So that was kind of how I reacted to my first, you know, criticism. I took the phrase that was in that criticism, which was a comment on the episode I was on, and I made that my forum, uh, was it footer? Yeah, sig line. Sig line. Yeah. I made that my sig line. That was my sig line for like two years, was the first piece of criticism that I got. And I did it that way for two reasons. One, yeah. It affected me. Two, I need to remind myself that it was out there and that I couldn't let things like that affect me. Yeah. And putting it in my face for every time I posted was my way to make a joke about it, make it funny, but remind my, keep myself that, grounded. Because there's, I mean, generally speaking, two kinds of criticism you can get. Good ones 
and people are wrong. <laughs> well, okay, I guess <laughs> if we want to divide it that way three ways, which is so they're, they're right. Or maybe it's a yeah. quadrant because you can have on one yeah. axis they're right and they're wrong, right? So the, the, they're correct about what they say, they're wrong about what they say, or somewhere in the middle it's debatable. But then on the other axis you can have they're being polite, they're being courteous, they're being well-mannered versus they're being an then there is constructive versus non-constructive. So I could look at Chad and say, Chad, you're a dick. That is yeah. not constructive. I could say, Chad, you're a dick because you're wearing a green hoodie. I like green. That, I like hoodies. That is at least... Const- and I'm awesome. So it is... I don't care. I wouldn't even say that one is constructive, but that is actionable. Right. In reality, <laughs> Chad... Act- actionable for me to go... Whoop. <laughs> yeah. And in reality, Chad knows I love hoodies, so I yeah. would never insult a hoodie. But, and he loves Chad and hoodies, too. <laughs> but it, it was Wink. really rough to get criticism, particularly when it was stated in a mean spirit. And it was like sometimes people forgot that we were people. Yeah. And it wasn't even just criticism against us. So, like, I would see something that would be said, and it wouldn't be about me. It would be about Chad. My friend just got attacked. I'm pissed off. You're cheering. Do you know? Oh, wait, what, no. <laughs> do you know how much I don't post on the internet as a result of this show? And what I mean by that is because of the fact that I realize number one, some number of people are paying attention to what I say, and if nothing else, I feel I owe it to these people to not be offensive, to set some kind of a good example, to at least be a passable human being. But then, secondly. Because of the fact that I don't want to deal with the drama that that's going to invite, it really does limit how much I say on the Internet. This is why if you look at any of my social media accounts, it's just such neutral banality. You know, I very rarely post anything that's serious. I say fundamentally almost, if not totally, nothing about politics or religion. If it's, it's not, offensive, it comes from Narl. And, and Well, yeah, because then it's, I mean, I'm not sure if it's a joke sometimes. <laughs> but uh, he was seeing Baby Shark, to, just to get that stuck in everyone's head. If you're a parent of a young child, he... he okay, so I I know what Baby Shark is now. Yeah. I didn't know it before a few weeks ago, and I had I don't no, know what it is. I had no idea that this was a meme. Sky's or... too old. So yeah. if he was younger, you would know what Baby Shark is, and you would be prepared to kill me for having <laughs> just put it back in your head. So my experience Fair. with this, because this is another, I went out and did something fun without bringing Dan with me. Yeah. I went to an lot. anime convention mm-hmm. a few weeks ago, and one of the things at the end of it was a... One Punch Man forum that no. you totally denied Dan going to? No, it was an anime review, or it was a cosplay review where it was a group of strippers slash cabaret people that came from Tennessee. And oh, that did, kind of review. Did oh. a strip show. <laughs> R-E-V-U-E, not R-E-V-I-E-W. The, yep. The MC, the MC was dressed up as a meme, and the song she danced to was Baby Shark. <laughs> afterwards, I'm like, well, she talks about being a meme. And so afterwards, like the week after, I'm like, what the hell was that? It's this kid. And so I went and looked up Baby Shark. Yeah. So, but I, I think part of the other thing is, though, after you've been on the other side of it, look, there are people that are out there who are as famous as or substantially more famous than I am that I profoundly dislike. And I may dislike them because of how they conduct themselves. I may dislike them for personal reasons. They've been an asshole to me or I've just seen them be an asshole to people in general. 
I may dislike them. Why did you motion to me? I actually <laughs> motioned at the wall on that one. I, I may dislike them because of the fact that I wildly disagree with their political or religious views, but they have something they have done, or maybe I just dislike their product. Maybe I have nothing against them, but I think their YouTube channel or, or whatever it is they make is just crap. I don't say anything. I don't do anything. Like, I don't thumbs down things. I don't comment. If I don't like it, I just turn it off. And <gasps> you what? Yeah. And in if so, this day and age? And if somebody states the opposite opinion of mine or a different opinion of mine on a political candidate or a religious topic or whatever it is, I just don't respond because of the fact that, well, first of all, I've been on the other side of that, but I, I've received that kind of attack. And I know these people are real people. But secondly, because of the fact that, you know, people talk about, I mean, it's, it's the whole be the change you want to see thing. If you don't want the Internet to be a toxic place, if you don't want the country to be divided, stop saying divisive and topic things. It's really that simple. There, if, there are people out there that would yell at us for not using this platform as a platform. What happened? To try to make change. And I know this happened. It happened. It's one thing I get frustrated with when I'm listening to a musician or I'm listening. I'm doing something in the media. I go out. I'm going out to find a podcast about writing. I'm going out to find a podcast about gaming, a podcast about whatever. That is the topic I'm looking for there. I have places I go for my politics. I have places I go for things like that. It is not my writing podcast. And I get really frustrated when I get preached to or when I get lectured when that's not what I went there for. Yeah, I don't remember if it was the Bush Gore or Bush Kerry election. I think it was Bush Gore. And, oh, no, I'm sorry. Which which one was it? it I guess it would have had to have been. I'm, I'm losing. Yeah. I'm getting older. I'm losing track Bush of Bush Gore was 2000, so that was too far back. So 2004 would also be 2000. Was it the Dewey Truman? Sure. You know what? It was the Dewey Truman one. Mm -hmm. And we back to Dewey. We, we fear, hey, the, I mean, he fear was... the Boot wrote that paper. Heart, that, True, nobody that, knew Truman was. That newspaper headline. Yeah. All right, so whatever election it was, it was what an election. I don't remember what it was. It, it was not the most recent one. All right, so we, but there was one of the presidential elections where somebody wrote in, and I should say some buddies wrote in and told me that we had a duty to use our platform. You said duty. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's about how I think, and I, I don't have any strong opinion on the person. Because I'm sure they meant well, right? Mm -hmm. I, I believe this of people I agree with and disagree with that just because you and I disagree doesn't mean you have a you're a bad person, right? I believe good people can arrive at different conclusions and do so with an honest heart. I realize it's a shocking thing to say nowadays, but I fully believe this. But there was somebody who wrote in and said that we had a duty to use the platform that we had to speak out about this. Well, I think it was an election. And I, I don't remember how I replied. But but here's what went through my head was two things. One, do I? Mm -hmm. and, and I mean that in the rhetorical sense, because the answer is no, yeah. I don't. I mean, it's look, I mean, first of all, it's my platform, our platform. I'll do whatever the hell I want with it. But secondly is, damn, people lose their minds. People need a break. People need to be able to get away from that stuff and just sit back and relax and feel a little bit chill. You know, unpucker, feel a little bit safe, not thinking they're about to get blindsided by something offensive to them and think about mechs and dwarves and, and 
skies of glass and i was about to say nuclear bombs but <laughs> maybe that's a little too real but the point is you know the people need that space to think about the fiction and such and that's what we offer and this is a service to humanity because people need that escape escapism is healthy to an extent and it has been around as long as human culture has been but secondly it's like with all respect to these people what makes you think my opinion is going to line up with yours yeah. what if i use my platform and i come out swinging on the other side then how are you going to feel about me? Yep. And even a step from that, my issue with it is we're three guys that talk about role-playing games. Are you going to take your political advice from three guys that talk <laughs> yeah, about role-playing games that it, you know nothing else? It, I, I know mean, we're right. I know but... that I know that all three of us are very well informed and we look sure. up things like, but how do you know that? Right. We're guys that play role-playing games. We have nothing about us that says we know anything more than anyone else on yeah. any of these political issues. And if you take your advice from us for that, you're kind of dumb. Well, <laughs> and look, if we're in a free society, this information's out there. If you need someone to tell you why a worldview, whatever that worldview is, may or may not be right and may or may not be plausible, look it up. If you are so lost on something, whether it's an interpersonal issue or a worldview issue, that you really, I mean, you are fundamentally lost and you need Dan from Fear of the Boot to shape your view, I will provide that service for you. And probably it will begin with trying to help you figure it out for yourself. Right. But And in private. And in private. Because that's not what the show has ever been about. It's not what it ever will be about. If people are going to love or hate me, I at least want it to be for what we produced. And here's, let me give you an example. Back before I made this show, I felt it was fair to have an opinion, potentially even a negative one, about what somebody was selling themselves on, all right? What I mean is if a female singer comes out and she sings a song and my immediate first comment is about how she looks, okay, that's probably a bit misogynist. That's not really fair to her. But if my first comment is I like or don't like her singing, I at least think that's on table. That's the product she's selling. Conversely, if a model comes along who is selling themselves on their looks, I think that's fair and on the table. All right, now in the same way, I think it is totally fair to have an opinion to judge us within the context of the podcast we create. And so that's part of why we curate the product the way we do is because this is what we want to be known for. We don't want you to like or hate us for our religious views, our political views, because of the fact that we're just interrupting your day. We want us to be people that, you know, you can come do for your escape and maybe you hate what we do. Okay, whatever. And where I think that I've grown in that, having been on the other side of it, is I've learned that when I have these opinions, I don't have to express them. <laughs> I can look at somebody and say, wow, to me personally, this model's not that attractive. And yes, it is her look she's selling, or this singer is terrible, or this podcast is terrible, or this movie is terrible, or whatever. But that doesn't mean I have to put somebody on blast. That doesn't mean I have to run them and all you social media. Call me yourself a Twitter user. <laughs> You're just using social media wrong, my friend. Apparently I am. Every time I go out on Twitter in particular, I get the idea I'm using it wrong because I'm not sufficiently offensive and, and or enraged. And thus, I don't use Facebook anymore. I used to use Facebook a lot. I used Twitter for a while because it was a, I, I'll admit, I created my Twitter account. I think it even has FTV in the name of it. <laughs> and it was created after I joined the podcast for the sole purpose of being able to tweet things out and talk to people. I still have from fun. The podcast. I, I mean, it's banal observations, but I still have one. Like there was one where I went, I think I put this on Twitter. I went to see, I think it was Dunkirk. And 
they had on the marquee no, Tom Hardy. They they Tom had a marquee Hardy. that was like LED lights, so spelling out the name of the show, and it was in a, a Dolby Atmos theater. Okay, right. So what it said was D A T space Dunkirk. So I took a picture of that and said, "I'm about to see Dat Dunkirk." <laughs> you know, just <laughs> crap like that. Or I, Narl just sent a picture to Tito's Vodka <laughs> because they have a uh, thing on the bottle now. Because I guess they donate part of the sale to a pet charity that says vodka for dog people. (laughs) And so he was thanking them for finally making a product that was target marketed to not dog space people, but But dog dog people. (laughs) And so it was just crap like that. Just me having fun. I I was commenting today about wanting to see a power girl movie before. I don't remember. I kind of missed that. That was something like on Facebook. I would go to conventions, take pictures, post pictures. I would go to concerts. I had a concert this last weekend. I took a bunch of pictures. I didn't share them anywhere because to me, social media is kind of good because it's, it's awful. Dead. It's awful to share pictures on Facebook because they shrink the size of the picture. They compress the file and it pixelates the picture. And now they have your picture. So this nice big picture you took with your big expensive phone and great camera is now a small crap picture. And then you say to yourself, well, my photos are up on Facebook. I need some space on my phone, so I'm going to delete all my pictures. Oh, no. I That's not me because I back up my data right. and don't have any of that. But now I have all these pictures and I have all of these experiences that I don't share with anyone. That's not and sad. That's, that's sad called what me. people used to do. <laughs> I know. But it was it was one of those things where for a while there, I got active in Facebook and talked to people and a lot of the listeners. And the listeners were a real community that you would get involved with. You still do some of that on Discord, but I hardly ever pop in even there. And I do kind of miss some of those interactions. I and it's mostly active. because at this point, social media is dead to me because it's all vitriol. Yeah. I'm, I'm active on our Fear the Boot Facebook group. I'm active on our Fear the Boot Discord. I'm active on our Fear the Boot forums. Because I just talk to people. I like talking mm-hmm. to people. But, yeah. I bounce in and out of them. I, I check the forums every so often. I've been much better with my email. Not perfect, but much better than I used to be. And I I think probably because it's less intimidating because we moved from, we used to host it ourselves on Smarter mm-hmm. Mail. I moved it to Google. And it used to be so intimidating because I see like 150 messages a day. Now, the truth is probably 145 were spam. Right. <laughs> but all I see is 150 messages I got to look at today. And it's like, well, when am I going to do this? Well, 10 days later, that's 1,500 messages. Yeah. And pretty soon it's like, man, it, I can't do this. I don't have a secretary. But now that I have a Google one that does a much better job of filtering the spam, I only actually see the messages that are directed to me. I do a much better job about it. But no, I do. I am still on social media, but I'm much more. I, I watch my interactions a lot more. You know, I say if somebody's off on their political diatribe or their religious diatribe or they're just angry or whatever, that's cool. You know what? Mm-hmm. It's your space. You can say whatever you want. Say whatever you need to. I'm not telling you not to say it. All I'm saying is I'm probably not going to read it. Yeah. And. That's chill. You know, that's just how life works. You do you, I do me, and I'm okay with that. I'm fine. I can coexist with people. You don't have to be just like me. As long as you're courteous to me, I, we can work that out. You know, everything else is gravy. So one of the things people have been asking me about is, what are we going to do with some of these other ideas we've been sitting on? Are you going to finally tell us what's going to happen with Brain On? No. No, we're not. We recorded an episode. <laughs> I will, it's however. It's not a minute. Just hold your breath. <laughs> Several people have asked, well, what if anything I'm going to do with Skies of Glass? Not what we've been doing the AP. And the answer is this. As I said earlier, I'm going through a pretty big change in my personal life. I'm about to move. And You're losing all your horses. I'm losing my horses, most of my servants, 
three of them are coming with me. Excellent. Well, uh, that's good. The butcher, the baker, and the candlestick maker. Right. Because God knows I need food. I need food. meat, bread, <laughs> you need his, you need his, you got and all this candles. Meat, so you need bread to make the sandwich. Yes. And you can't do it in the dark. <laughs> I mean, you're not a peasant. So once I get past that, though, what my intention is, and I haven't decided yet how I'm going to do this exactly, but what I'm thinking about doing, or, or the direction I'm thinking right now, is that I'm going to start a rules wiki for Skies of Glass along with kind of some high-level directives about what I kind of think about the setting and such. Because Skies of Glass is meant to be a plug-and-play game insofar as I intentionally only define very small portions of the world. I want you, in fact, there's some people that have already done some really cool stuff with this. I want you to decide for yourself what happened to your hometown or your favorite city, whatever. I want you to do that. Or your least favorite city. Or your least favorite city. You know, I want you guys to do that. I intentionally define very little of the world. Because it's meant to be about the micro setting. It's, I mean, Skies of Glass is really not to, meant to be about places like, if you're listening to the AP, you'll know what I mean, St. Louis or Jacksonville. Skies of Glass is meant to be about places like Herman and about places like uh, Dixon. And so, I mean, that's really what it's meant to be about, is these small, isolated towns and what the culture's like within them. And I've done a terrible job of doing that in the current AP, <laughs> but that's what it's it's usually been. So my thought we're supposed to be broke and struggling. In the yeah, AP. yeah. So my my thought is what I'm going to do is create a is create a wiki where I start putting the rules and create. I don't know. Maybe it's going to be a Patreon level. Maybe I don't know what the hell I'm going to do with it. But somehow set up some way to get feedback from people and keep tweaking the wiki until I like where the rules are at. And then at that point, if it's doing well and people are actually enjoying it look at putting it together into a published set of rules, like some rules on a setting, a a quick setting guide or something like that that's published in book form. So look for that probably sometime in mid-November, because maybe late November, because I'll be moving probably around the top of November, but obviously that's not a day, that's a process. So I'm hoping sometime in November that I will get out a start to that wiki. And I've already got the URL, I own skiesofglass.com and whatever. And so that's going to be something I want to do something with. And we actually have some ideas for some things past that. But rather than teasing a thousand things we never do. We'll tease one thing we'll never do. No. (laughs) Well, let's tease one thing and actually freaking do it. What? That is not the Fear the Boot way. No, it's not. But since I have so much of this already written down anyway, I mean, honestly, all this is going to consist of is me turning it from pieces of notebook paper and uh, Google Docs into a wiki. That's mm. really, the material's already written. I just have to organize it into a different format. I mean, this is not you creation know, so much as this transposition. We talk a lot about the things that were brought up and ideas that didn't happen. I want to take a moment just to point out the thing, some few things that did happen that were talked about and happened. Fear the Con. That's, How many years has Fear the Con ran? Yeah. Sojourn, one and two. And there's, I don't know if it'll happen or not, but there's been a talk about Sojourn 3. I don't know if it's going to happen. People have asked. Blood Moon Goblins. Yeah. If anyone else wants to something else we've actually done. (laughs) Oh, we bombed it a lot of things. Uh, (laughs) You and Chris's uh, Skies of Glass fiction. Made it from Mm -hmm. beginning to end. Yeah. uh, Chris's, I think his is called Coming Home and yours was Metropolis, if I'm remembering right. Metropolis. And uh, yeah, both of those, I believe, made it start to finish, uh, Mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken. So Uh, it's 
it's easy to joke and talk about the things we did. Oh, and there's do. a lot of shit we and we always forget about what we actually did, did. put out. Well, what is out there? The the I mean, let's, Chad has games that he created and put out there for free. Let's yeah. talk about award winning games, Wayne. Award winning. <laughs> let's talk about the. I mean, the main product, Fear the Boot itself, has gone on nearly every single week. Yes, we've missed some, mm-hmm. but nearly every single week for twelve and a half years. That is no small amount of time. That is a yeah. lot of hot air. I mean, do you, I mean, do you <laughs> realize when we started this podcast, D and D? Oh, people are gonna never mind. I was gonna no, I, I was yeah. gonna peg this to editions of D and D. I'm not. Why don't you Why don't you talk about alignment <laughs> next? Yeah, when we when we fear the boot came out, lawful neutral, and now <laughs> neutral evil. Oh. I don't I don't know how that even relates, but fear the boot is older than Pathfinder. Yes, yeah, we're definitely older than Pathfinder. Because I remember when Pathfinder came out, it was a I, I know because I know Fear the Boot is younger than 3.0. Older than four. But I want to say older than four. I want to say older than three five, but it may not be. I don't know. I, I know it's older than Pathfinder and it's older than four. I don't mark my passage of time by D D editions. Oh, I'm I don't either. I but, mark mine by data center moves. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I just keep you know what? I, I have a terrible sense of time. I just remember the date. I don't know why. May 15th of 2006. I don't know why it's burned into my mind because I have a terrible sense of time. If you ask me about things, I and this is an honest to God truth, yesterday, last week, last month, and last year are all pretty much the same day to me. Mm-hmm. I have no sense of time The in the past. like I, mm-hmm. I noticed the passage of time going forward, but the past, I have no context of how long anything has been if I don't memorize the date. And there's a lot of events in my life, both good and bad, I could not tell you exactly when they occurred, only ballpark within about three years. So, yeah, that that's part of just how I exist. Sky is younger. Chad's, your son is younger than the show. Yes, he is in junior high now. Wayne, what's changed? Dude, give me a couple of things. What's changed in your life since you started doing the show? Um, he has a beard now. I have a beard now. That <laughs> that actually is a pretty big change. Because mm-hmm. um, And it's silly, right? Wayne has a beard. Who cares? Yeah. You were super anti-beard. Like, no mustache, no goatee, no beard. You were. I had never gone more than two weeks without shaving. And then yeah. for a no-shave... your whole life. Yeah. For a no-shave November, I mm-hmm. grew it out and realized I really liked it. Wow. Yeah, it looks good on um, you. I love it. I just realized... I bought a house during that time. I've gone through mm-hmm. multiple jobs during that time. Um, yeah, I bought a house, too. Yeah, I had, we had just moved out to ours not that long before because we were living, living in an apartment. Mm-hmm. And we moved to a house not that long before Fear the Boot started. We moved from that house to this house, and now I'm about to move again. I'll still be staying in town. So let me stress, this, is, this may interrupt the show for a couple of weeks. It's not going to shut the show down. But I just realized, and this is kind of a big thing to me, and and maybe some people won't get this way, and I know you'll get it. If I'm not mistaken, I've had 100% turnover in my pets. Yeah, that's a big thing. So it, when the show started, I had Pearl who's still, I mean, I probably was closer to her than damn near any living thing, human or otherwise. I don't know if I put her as my number one, but she certainly is in the top three. She died. Carl at the time had Watson. He passed away at the time. uh, I don't think we had gotten, if we had gotten Izzy, we had just gotten her. I don't think we had yet. So I think Izzy's younger than the show. We had not yet gotten our current cat. We had a different cat at the time. So I think we've had a complete turnover in the pet staffing. I'm a didn't Dual income, no pets. <laughs> you're, a di- you're a dimp. 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 <laughs> Dual income, no, no, no yeah, pets. Yeah, dimp doesn't work dimp. as well as dink. 
Yeah, yeah. Dink, Dink works great. Dual income, no kids. Yeah. Only because Dawn's allergic to cats. Because I know she wants one. We almost got one. Uh, years and years I ago. got you all topped. All right. So, exotic pets. Before the show. You got me time. I don't have any pets. Oh, no. I, I know. I know. I know. But I can. I, when I say all y'all, I mean possibly even everyone listening. So, before the show started, I had a ferret. Not that exotic. Okay, Exotic-ish, but not that Julie exotic. Julie has like 20. Well, at least has had. I'm sure I was about two. But after that, I had a pet prairie dog. And then we almost got a wallaby. There, we found a, a wallaby breeder out in this area. Believe it or not, they do make it to America. They're, they're not controlled animals. Like, it's not like a yeah. lion or something. Like you They're can, not going to break out and wipe out yeah. the hen population. Because for anyone who doesn't know what a wallaby is, they're like miniature kangaroos, okay? And they are totally harmless. The only reason we did not end up getting it, we actually went to them, held them, had one picked out, had the money. Only reason we didn't was at the time that was when we were still in St. Peter's and that house backed up to a game trail and there were too many wild animals that came by and we weren't worried about the wallaby getting killed because we would have been able to, you know, safely fence it off. But they're kind of like rabbits in that if a predator comes at them, they can get so stressed. They actually have a heart attack and drop dead. And it was like, we, we don't have a way of really protecting it from that. And it's too likely where we live. So that's the only reason we didn't get one. But at the time, I told nobody because I just wanted to get a raw reaction. Mm-hmm. Like, this was going to be our YouTube moment of tell no one we have it and then film people when they come over and this freaking wallaby comes hopping down the hallway. <laughs> and, like, watch how long it takes people to process that they are seeing what they think they are seeing. That was going to be priceless. So now, instead, now that I'm moving... The only one I'm taking with me is Charlie. So now I'm start- Oh, good. Someone's going to smell my nuts when I come in again. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> but it'll be less barking. And, yes. And this makes space for my otter. So now I'm going to be back on the hunt for an otter. Hmm. That's very otter of you. Yeah, it is. <laughs> that, that didn't quite work, but I'm I'm no. sticking with it. Okay. I stand by it. Something, something oysters. oysters yeah. yeah. I got nothing. I'm shaking my head. All right. The otter well, we're going to know in this then. You got to make a prediction for the future. Now, my future, I don't mean like the next year. I mean, like, Wayne, five years from now, where's role-playing going to be? Honestly, at this point, I I think what we see now is going to continue for quite a while. We're going to have a ton of games out there. There isn't going to be big publishers with the exception of this is a subsidiary of something larger. Wizards of the Coast is not its own company. Mm-hmm. It's a sub-company. We'll have one or two big ones still out like that. D&D is still going to exist, obviously. But honestly, I don't think we're going to see a lot of change in game type. We're going to have games everywhere with very little curation of of what comes out. Some of them really good editing. Some of them never touched an editor. Chad, do you have a prediction? So I think over the next five years, I think that Wizards of the Coast... Yeah, they're the ones who do D&D, right? Yep. Yeah, Wizards of the Coast, I have seen them doing something, and they're being very subtle about it, and I like it. They are promoting Dungeons and Dragons. And I don't mean just, oh, we're going to Gen Con and here's our booth and here's our big foam red dragon. What they're doing is that they are sponsoring things where they are having mainstream actors play D&D games. And they're yeah. also having them talk about What is that show? Is it Critical Hits or Critical something? Critical Hit is one of them. And I have been noticing, and again, it's not the, it's not a huge marketing push it's not like super bowl nope. ads and all that sort of crap but i have been noticing that there has been D 
product type placement mentions. Think about stuff like Stranger Things, yep. all that sort of stuff, where they are very subtly pushing Dungeons and Dragons and the Rising Tide role playing games in general into the public consciousness. Now, I don't think over the next five years you are going to see D and D is the next big thing. I think that over the next five years you are going to see it become just a bit more normalized and a bit more popular. I don't think that you are going to go into work and people are going to ask you, what do you do? And you say, I play a role-playing game. What's that? I think that you are going to find less of that, more people not playing. But again, it's just, I think they're very subtly impacting into the consciousness. And I think part of the reason they're able to do that is what we talked about recently with nostalgia. Mm Mm-hmm. The generation now that's in control of what's out there, media, what's willing to allow them to have those product placements is the generation that remembers it. Yep. Yeah. Gen X and Gen Y slash millennials, whichever you prefer, are both a lot more nerdy than prior generations. Millennials more so than Gen X, but both are. But here's my prediction, and this one's going to go a little bit differently in terms of its content. So if you look back several years People bought the creations, not the creators, and there was a a big distinction between them. Now, it's not to say people weren't fans of something. It has been true for many years. Monty Cook can slap his name on something to move it. Like you, you could sell Monty Cooks. See this role playing game? Cyanide cereal. Monty Cooks in this. Yeah, Monty Cooks. Monty Cook is is, (laughs) there. There's never too many cooks in the kitchen. And (laughs) oh my god. Uh, it's the full Monty. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but I'm not saying people will distinguish it that way. Okay. So I mean, I think, but I think right now there is something going on that has been a total disaster for every form of entertainment, which is people got on social media and people includes content creators, actors, singers, writers, artists, all this kind of stuff. And they started getting a bit too honest and a bit too, well-known, and by well-known, I don't mean famous. I mean, like... Infamous. Yes, all the garbage coming out of their brains and out of their mouths, all the things they're doing to alienate people, all the things they're getting accused of, all the crap, all right, is making it, I think, people are are starting to have a lot more difficulty separating the creation or the product from its creator or, or its producer. And so many companies and so many creators are just now starting to really pay a heavy price for that on every side of the political spectrum, that it is shrinking markets, it is alienating consumers, and some of the big companies now are really cracking down on that, on saying, if you're going to write for us or you're going to act for us or you're going to sing for us, you got to keep your pie hole closed on Twitter or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And I think we are going to see a return to not... A lack of platform? I don't think social media is going anywhere. But I think people that want to get somewhere are going to start self-censoring themselves in a way that general professionals have had to for years. Mm-hmm. And I think you're going to see the creative arts follow suit in that. Now, I don't think it'll ever totally happen. But I think it will happen where companies, look, they want to make money. And that means selling to people. And that means it doesn't matter who they are or what they believe. And like I said, it's already starting to happen, and I think you're going to see people knowing less and less about the inner workings of the creator's minds. Mm-hmm. It's, and in that regard, it's going to be much more like the 1990s than it is 2000. It will be you know 2020, 
2012 or 2015. So that's my prediction. That only works with the company model. The individual creators will still. Oh, they still can take a punch in the wallet. They can still take a punch in the wallet. They can. And I mean, I, and I, once again, I'm not saying this is a hundred percent. I'm just saying, I think there's going to be a change, right? So are you saying that I should write a role playing game and get on Twitter and see how many people can punch my wallet. That's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> and I'll give you about three or four topics that you can, <laughs> cannot shut up about. For, so, against, so doesn't like, matter. Let it's me... like the negative verse Brodor rules list. Yes. You're going to give Just me a turn list that hashtags. I can't stop talking I will about. give you four hashtags. Oh, better idea. Because yeah. that only alien, can only alienate like half the people. Sure. You and I will collaborate to make a game. Oh, Dan, Dan will give us this side, list. I'll, I'll be, be on one, the other, yeah. and, and we will publicly fight with each other. Yeah, and we'll see which one does better. It'll be like an A/B market test. Right. See what like they'll oh, be effectively oh, then, the same product. And then Dan can come in and say, "Well, now, girls, girls, you're both pretty. It's okay." And then we'll see if his stock rises. Yeah. So what yeah. I, I we can do is have is we can come up with a scenario where we create a product, and we'll create the scenario that if you buy it from Wayne.com. Wayne gets the money, and Wayne has one side set of views. If you buy it from Chad.com, mm-hmm. Chad gets the money, and Chad has a different set of views, and see you where know, the money actually goes. You know what we should do? We have Patreon. We have Tastemakers. We need the Tastemakers to give Wayne and I our views. <laughs> to give you your views? <laughs> see, that, that or we ought to like, separate it. Like, uh, there's episodes of Simpsons where Homer's like, if you want to feel better about yourself, mail a dollar to me and he got a robo caller so it was he was doing that and then the judge told him to call everyone back and apologize so he just set the robo caller back up and he's like you know i'm really sorry for the scam i ran if you forgive me please mail one dollar to him so we can have like if you agree with chad two dollar level if you agree with wayne two dollar level if you agree with brodor two dollar level <laughs> but we got to do a Kickstarter but, to get this all going. Yes, so if we need seed money. I mean, we need at least one hundred fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, I need a new keyboard to even type Brodor's right. name. So. Right. Anyway, thank you guys for tuning in for twelve and a half years. We really do appreciate it. I don't. This has been a yeah. I know you're contrarian, <laughs> but this really has been a hell of a run, and we intend to keep going with it until I mean, whatever. As Chad has said, then this is a saying he's had for probably twelve of those twelve and a half years. This show will never jump the shark. It is riding that bitch to glory. <laughs> That's right. And we are still on top of that shark, waving a cowboy hat, Dr. Strange love style, <laughs> going over. So, anyways, thank you guys for tuning in. Have a great week and great games. And we will catch you for a much more normal episode next time. See ya. This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2018. Listeners are free to use this episode in any non-commercial endeavor so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. Fear the Boot is also a member of the RPG Academy Network of Shows. You can find other great shows in this network at therpgacademy.com slash network.